This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, good afternoon, folks, and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm your host, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, along with Michael Remus back at the WST Control Center. And wow, we've got a lot to talk about today. That was ugly, all caps ugly last night. Jets getting embarrassed on home ice by the Edmonton Oilers. We'll have Scott Billick join us a little bit later on in the program in about 10 minutes or so. And then it's also the end of Winnipeg ice season today. Um, You know, 24 games just goes like that. Uh, Our old pal Kevin O, who has been doing pre and post and broadcast coverage for the Winnipeg ice is going to join us in the second half of the program. We'll talk about the season, some of the highlights for the ice this year, how it's gone. Look ahead to uh, the future for some of the departing players, as well as see what KO has to say about the Winnipeg Jets situation. Let's uh, get Michael Remus in here, and as we do that, we'll, as always, thank our wonderful sponsors, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, new sponsors at Cinnaboya Downs, and our friends out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Remus, lots to talk about today. None of it very good when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets. That certainly felt like rock bottom last night. If it can get worse, I don't want to see it. I'll tell you that much. Uh, how's it going? You don't want to talk about that awesome um, Jets Legends feature in the first intermission, remembering <laughs> the the Heritage Classic? That was that was so well done. My dad called yep. me during it. I was like, Dad, I'm watching this. Uh, call me. That was the highlight. The- highlight of the evening. Highlight of the broadcast. I'm good to talk during the game, but during this Jets, <laughs> the game we've seen enough of. The Jets Legends feature. That oh, Excellent. But that game... I was listening to Paul Stasny's comments, and um, we'll play those coming up shortly. But he said, you know, we were down 2-0 and 3-0, and I didn't even think we were playing that bad. But, um, you know, they started having some crazy uh, turnovers, like, here, McDavid, uh, take a breakaway. You know, you have enough time to look behind you and pull the, you know, the move that you could only do in, you know, EA Sports video game. (laughs) Um, I mean, I I thought even when they were down, like, you got the first goal, okay, bad bounce, and then, you know, a couple... Next thing you know, the game's like basically over. Um, team looked uh, very, oh. I don't know, like D. I, I don't know what the the word is, but it wasn't wasn't very defeated. Uh, yeah, defeated. That is what they looked at early in the game. And Thank I'll be you. honest, I didn't hate the first period by the Jets. I thought they had some good jump. Um, you know, Mason Appleton was shooting the puck. I mean, they did have their fair chances. They were up on the shots for a good portion of it. But as we've seen in other games against the Edmonton Oilers this year, I mean, you can't, you know, play well for 45 minutes. Not that the Jets did last night. I'm certainly not suggesting that. But, I mean, you know, in the course of a period, playing well for 18 minutes and forgetting what you're doing for two is going to end up, you know, with you down, well, probably a couple goals the way the Jets were after the first period. But what was the most concerning was the way they completely, I mean, I think they'd already lost their way somewhat, but man, it got compounded in that second period. And the lack of fight in the team, losing almost every battle, terrible passes, no attention to detail, sloppiness that was just feasted upon by one of the most opportunistic players 
and best players on the planet right now. And listen, I'll be the first one to give Connor McDavid all the credit in the world. The guy is the best player in the National Hockey League. He should win the MVP award unanimously. But that does not excuse what we saw from the Jets last night. And listen, all season long, we've been saying, hey, you know what? The Jets have had a great season. Look at the way they've bounced back from games before. They hadn't lost two in a row in regulation. Well, then they did. And then earlier this week, we were talking about, wow, this is the first time they've lost three in a row in regulation. But, you know, they got the results earlier in the season. They're destined for the playoffs. Time to pick your uh, pick the, the, the bootstraps up and, uh, and you know, be able to perform the way that you can. Everyone was expecting a big response from the hockey club last night. And again, I thought they had a few good shifts in the first period. But my God, the way things fell apart on them and the way they seemingly had no answers and things got worse for them throughout that second period was a real low moment in this season. And I have to say, Raymond, I'll be interested to see what people have to say in the chat for those of you that are with us live on YouTube. Um, I got vibes of the end of the 2019 season. And we will recall that year, the Jets were a playoff team, but they moonwalked into the playoffs with some of their worst hockey of the season over the course of the last eight to 10 games. Um, and they were, and then they were out in the first round of the St. Louis Blues. And to be honest, that carried over into the playoff series where the Jets lost the first two games at home before getting it back together, tying the series, and then coming back for the infamous Game 5 that we don't want to discuss anymore on this program. Um, but man, I mean, it is just so concerning to see, you know, how lifeless the team was at times, how just discombobulated they were in each and every area. And it does come down to the little things. Passing, being able to get it out of your zone, being able to gain a zone entry without just handing it over to Mike Smith, having him pass it up and go the other way. Um, I mean, we could literally spend the entire hour right now talking about what was missing in the Winnipeg Jets game. Um, the easy answer was just about everything that constitute a winning hockey club. And I got to tell you, with eight games left in the regular season, despite everything that they've done up until this point, if you're not concerned as a Winnipeg Jets fan, you probably haven't been watching the team for the past week. Yeah, I want to shout out to everyone in chat uh, helping me figure out my Winnipeg Jets match game, uh, describing the way the team looked, starting with the D. I'm seeing dejected, deflated. You said defeated, demoralized. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of different... Different words. And that, again, that McDavid hat trick goal, that's what you're going to be seeing on highlight reels like forever. And like, it's the most degrading for a hat trick, another D word, degrading, when the puck's like floating in the air, Hellebuck's trying to, you know, dive back to save it. Uh, What's stick handling? I mean, he looks back on that goal, uh, on the breakaway. Uh, That was rough. Uh, I should have taken, you know, I saw Dom. Uh, from The Athletic, who I have a lot of respect for, for his numbers. He tweeted out during the game that McDavid has beat up on the Jets more than any player has beat up on any t- any other team in the league this year. And we've seen it over and over. And I was just mad that I didn't see that uh, before the game. Otherwise, I would have taken him on DraftKings. I took, <laughs> I took the McKinnon line. I was like, I didn't even think. Well, listen, it's not like I mean, people in Winnipeg should be the least people that that needs to be reminded to. I mean, we've watched these games. You know, even in games where earlier in the season I thought the Jets played quite well, it was McDavid that was the difference. I mean, specifically in those two, the first two back-to-back regulation losses of the year. 
Um, you know, they kept the shots down relatively well, but, you know, ended up getting burned and didn't generate the generate uh, enough themselves. One of the other things about this, and again, we'll focus in on the Jets and what they weren't able to do last night and what they need to do to change. The one thing I will say, and we'll talk a lot about Connor McDavid, um, but you know, earlier in the season, we talked about how Connor Hellebuck was sort of owning the Leafs and he was in the heads of the Toronto Maple Leafs after those games in Toronto. That's the case with Mike Smith and the Winnipeg Jets right now. And it's not only Remus is that he is so effective. He's been so great at making the saves and it's been giving him confidence and his team confidence. The other thing is the puck handling. And, you know, when the Jets, you know, you don't have Nikolai Ehlers last night, man, what, how different does this team look without 27 out there? Yikes. Um, But I mean, Ehlers is a guy that can go in and gain the zone himself. He's by far the best player with, you know, taking in and commanding possession in the offensive zone on the rush. That didn't happen last night. They seem to have no problem at all bottling the Jets up, giving them nothing to do. And then what would the Jets do? Well, they just dump it in over and over and over again. And in most cases, Mike Smith, one of the best puck handling goaltenders in the league, was more than happy to accept that, dish it off to somebody, and have the puck go right back the other way. And um, there was no change with the way the team played, um, and they didn't seem to have any answers, and they certainly didn't get any other results. But the play of Mike Smith has been a huge part of the Oilers' dominance of the Jets over the last five games. And, I mean, in addition to doing a bunch of other things better, they got to find a way to beat that guy if they want to even be in the conversation going into a best-of-seven series against this hockey club. Yeah, we know Mike, Sm- Mike Smith, elite uh, goalie puck handler, and you saw that last night. And you look at his numbers against the Jets this year, this guy's playing like a Vesna Trophy winner. He's 4-0 in five starts, only allowed nine goals. That's a 2.06 goals against, 9.36 save percentage. For a Jets team that has so much scoring, so much depth, so much firepower against an Oilers team, which we've talked about how they don't have depth and they only have one guy. Well, they can't seem to take advantage of you know the Oilers' bottom lines, and everyone's saying that McLeod, who we were laughing like we were laughing last game, who is this guy, third line center? He had a pretty uh, pretty solid game, and you know we're saying okay, the Jets just need to stop McDavid. Clearly, uh, they can't do that, you know, given uh, what he's done against them this year. So, uh, you know, i got to switch something up, maybe some more uh, carry-ins as opposed to dump-ins. Uh, they juggled the lines. I thought maybe they would go back to Connor Shafley-Wheeler at one point just because that's what they've always done, and you know, they seem to like to go back to what's worked in the past. But they went, they went with the Shafley-Appleton and, um, and Cop line. And that was the line that started off against uh, against McDavid as well. We, that was one of the big topics in chats. Which line do you start off with? Well, hell, uh, Appleton it, was the best forward last yeah. night, and, and and I don't think it was close. I think he you know rose to the occasion as far as like knew he was going to have a real unique opportunity to play with a center that you know is known for driving offense. He knew what he was going to have to do in his own end and. I mean, what you had him in DraftKings last night? What did he get? Seven, seven shots on goal I think for you last seven, night. Yeah, seven, and he and they kind of switched him up on the power play. You know, we talked about how Connor was wasn't on power play one, and they went with Pionk on power play one. And they moved Wheeler from you know the bottom to the boards where he was so effective passing the line. A uh, he kept trying to jam it over to Shifley. It seems like they've been trying to force that for a while. I remember Shifley's got he gets a couple off, but he always seems to miss the net and have it uh, have a ring around. But, uh, you know, they had a couple shots. Mike Smith uh, stopped them, but it really wasn't enough compared to the great A's they were giving 
McDavid well, and the Oilers. Yeah, and, and listen, I mean, you can look at what, and I know we obsess about shots. The Jets are giving up too many shots, not taking enough. I mean, the shot clock doesn't tell the story of what last night's game was. Um, what you really need to do is just watch some of that second period, losing every battle. I mean, I think back, and listen, I don't want to pick on Tucker Pullman, but I mean, he had a real rough game last night. And you think about the goal that got it all started for Edmonton. Um, that was the one. It was a battle in the corner between Pullman and Leon Dreisaitl. You know, Pullman had pretty good position, had a skate in there, and, you know, Dreisaitl just simply out-muscled him, made a beautiful pass back to the guy in the slot who quickly ripped over to Chase and who one-timed it in, and bang, it's one nothing. And then towards the end of the period, you know, again, a little bit, you know, there was a little bit of bad luck, I guess, in it. But, you know, again, it was a three-on-two. And the puck goes over, and oh, it just slips over to Connor McDavid, and it's in, and it's two nothing. And you know, we heard Mason Appleton speak in between periods with Sarah Orleski, and he had said that you know, listen, we have to stay with our game. Um, you know, we sort of liked a lot of the things that we did in the first period. Um, they came out ten times worse in the second, and I'm not sure whether that second goal um, just sort of defeated them. I mean, in, in the past, and this is what's really concerned concerning to me, Reem, is that. You know, in the past, going back to like that 2019 team and even previously before they had the nice run in 2018, I always found the Jets at times seemed to be a bit of a fragile team. I mean, they play well, they play well, and then a goal would go in. This was specifically a noticeable in the Pavlik era, you know, when Pav would let in one that probably shouldn't again, and you could just feel that the, the spirit sag. Everything sagged last night, but, you know, it, it's so concerning as to the way they played, the way they reacted or lack thereof. And I got to tell you, Paul Maurice, after the game, didn't have um, a lot of answers. And I mean, I'm not really sure what you say after a performance like that, but I will say this. Um, we are looking at a, I mean, a somewhat dire situation, standings notwithstanding, um, because the bottom line is, if this team doesn't get back to doing some of the things that made them a playoff team very soon, we're going to be talking about a short series against the Edmonton Oilers and uh, a lot of big, big questions for the Winnipeg Jets. That, to be honest, who've kind of sailed through this season without a lot of adversity, a lot of, a lot of injuries, um, and they're certainly having to face them head on right now in the final 10 games of the regular season before things really do count. And hey, if you can get things turned around in a week or two and, you know, you learn from this, maybe this can be a good thing. But hard to really see many positives coming out of last night's game, which was an absolute ass-kicking. And um, it was embarrassing, I think, for a lot of members of that Winnipeg Jets club. We did hear from a couple players afterwards. Andrew Kopp's always a stand-up guy. Um, and he gets thrown out there often in very difficult situations. He was out there. But, Remo, what I found really interesting was some of the comments from Paul Stastny, one of the veteran elder statesmen. He really, I mean, we didn't hear from anybody with a letter on their jersey last night. Um, but I think Paul Stastny is the next best thing when it comes to being a real leader on this team, even though he just came back this year for a second stint. And um, maybe you want to get those up right now ready because um, if people didn't hear them, these are sort of comments you don't hear very often, but to be honest, I appreciated them because I think they were honest, they were correct, and they're also somewhat concerning because of the honesty he stated that, you know, maybe this was smoke and mirrors for the last little while. He saw a lot of this coming. Yeah, I'm just pulling up right now, and I do, 
And Andrew, you know, talk about guys. Andrew Cops usually a player Hus who you know is honest, uh, speaks his mind. Really didn't have any answers last night. I, you know, I do. We have to do play this before we get to Stasny. But oh yeah, Kopp, this is a money quote. Cop with the quote of the season. Dig deep, strap on your balls, and go to work. So I mean, there's I don't have to strap on their balls for the next game. I strapped my balls on uh, before we did this show, huh? so I'm I've been ready. No, You're, no. are you ready to dig deep? For the, next, to, uh, for the I'm next, I'm ready to dig while. deep here. Hey, you know what? Listen, I mean, we can joke about that, but honestly, um, I think that spoke to just how lost um, they were for an explanation with what happened. Andrew Kopp is not; he's probably one of the guys that you can always count on to come on the program or to you know hit the media afterwards and be frank and drop the truth and you know give you some you know some quality answers as opposed to many of the cliches. Um, I felt sorry for him last night because he's often put in that situation. There was no way you could put lipstick on that pig. And the bottom line is he was sitting there and, you know, even Andrew Kopp was sort of forced to go into some cliches, which is not usually his, his, you know, way of doing things in front of the microphone, just because I don't think there was much else to say. Everybody saw that game. Yeah, sorry, I'm just texting with Scott. We're trying to get him in. I think I sent him a, a bad link or something. Oh, okay. But, but um, here, I'll play the Stasny, and I will get, uh, get Scott Yeah, let's on. get this first piece of Stasny we can discuss. You're going to go through these throughout the year. Um, you know, I'm sure every other team's already gone through four-game losing streak. We hadn't. But it's, it's not about the four-game losing streak. I think it's just it's the way we've been playing for, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 games. And sometimes we got away with it. You know, and then when you get away with it, you think you're playing well, you're not playing well. And then sometimes Helly stood on his head and saved us. And some, you know, people don't notice that. But, you know, you're around a lot of teams who've been around the game for a while, like I have. I can tell when we're playing good when we're not playing good. When we have the bounces and we don't have the bounces. And, uh, you know, tonight wasn't even half bad. I mean, the scorehouse was bad. But, like, if you look at the first half when it was, you know, 2 nothing or 3 nothing, we weren't playing that bad. A couple of bad, you know, turnovers or little mistakes, and they put them back in our net. But that's just a long time coming. And uh, we left Helly out to dry, as we have a lot lately. So that's embarrassing on our behalf. And then, um, yeah, we just, I mean, we've got to take a look at ourselves and, and know what works and know what doesn't work and kind of have a game plan and, and simplify it. And, you know, get away from the whole plays, get away from trying to do too much, know who you're out there against, know who you're playing against. And if you have to adjust to certain guys, to certain teams, then you got to be willing to do that if we want to win. Preach it, Paul Stasny. Let us uh, know what you thought about those comments in the chat right now on YouTube. Welcome to everyone that's just joining in. We're going to have Scott Billick join us in just a second. Um, do want to, of course, hit up a couple of our great sponsors, not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGillivray. If you're looking for a car, why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of Trevor and the incredible Not Autocorp team? Um, they've got incredible selection of Teslas as well as so many other vehicles. You can find out more in person or check them out online at not.ca. And if you have a vehicle that you are in a lease that you want to get out of, talk to them about their very successful consignment program to get you top dollar for your vehicle and move on into a new ride with the help of the Not team. And of course, had a great, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to, I believe it was Jeremy who sent this last night. He said, uh, Huss, thanks for the great uh, great suggestion on the pizza flights from Boston Pizza and tweeted a picture of those pizza flights, three different kinds, three dips. Uh, and, of course, he got to enter in the Call Your Shot promo as well. That's available at all our local Boston pizzas. But we always love that feedback supporting our sponsors. Thanks so much. And uh, it's always a great night for Boston Pizza. And you can call your shot with that promo by eating in, 
taking out or by delivery as well. And uh, all you got to do is order the pizza flights or any Molson product. Um, let's get to our guest line and welcome in our good friend, Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. Um, doing some double duty, hitting COVID, hitting the Jets. And uh, I don't know what's more depressing right now, to be honest with you, Scott, <laughs> considering the last week. Um, in all sincerity, I'm not comparing a global pandemic to a four-game losing streak, but uh, yeah. pretty dire around Jet fans' conversations right now. And why wouldn't they be after what was one of the low moments and most embarrassing losses in a long, long time for this franchise, dating well beyond the start of this season? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, it, it was funny. I was talking. We were talking up in press row, kind of last night after that game, just talking about that seven-one loss to the Canadians. And you look at that loss, and and you know when Blake Wheeler came out after that game and called it an outlier, and then you know I'm, this is the benefit of hindsight here, of course. You know it, it proved to be that, right? You know in the end, but this one, you know, I, it was a Paul Stasny maybe that said last night that this felt like a long time coming, and and and. You know, to, to suggest that, you know, for 10 to 15 games, they've been kind of, you know, essentially playing the wrong way. And, you know, it culminated in that kind of loss. But you can kind of see it. You know, this isn't the first, you know, they've played three pretty tough games, you know, that that they didn't get the result from. And it, it, a lot of it's just because they didn't play good enough to do it. I mean, there was, you know, you could look to the period last night and yeah, Jet threw a couple big hits and you know that that was all fine and dandy, but you know, the Edmonton Oilers scored two goals and that's really what mattered in the game. I mean the Jets, you know, tried to you know be physical in the in a game where it's difficult to do that in that game. And you know, I wondered last night, you know, if you gotta kind of touch Connor Hel- or Connor McDavid a little bit more, but yeah, it's tough because the guys as slippery as they come, and 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 you know, it just you know, you make one mistake against that guy, and it's in the back of the net. And the Jets made a lot of mistakes last night. <laughs> yeah, I was about and to say. It I mean, it, and it was in the back of the net a lot last night, especially from him. You know, and yeah. so yeah, it was it was it was it was every bit embarrassing as you know some of the players alluded to. I um, you know, I, I didn't hate the first period for the majority of it. I mean, I, yeah. I was really looking, and Marat and I talked about this yesterday, I mean, really keen to see how Maurice started the game, who was going to be getting the, the McDavid matchup right off the bat, and how that first period would go. And, you know, I think for the first half, even the first 15 minutes, um, you know, I think the Jets were, you know, up to the challenge. They were doing some of the things that, you know, they wanted to do. They were playing with some speed. They had yeah. some chances on the rush. But... And now maybe this is just the sign of an emotionally fragile team, and this is something that has been an issue with the Jets during down times over previous seasons that mm-hmm. we really had not seen at all this year. But to come out after um, giving up those couple goals in the second period and play the way they did and leave their hang their goaltender out to dry, as yep. Paul Stastny just alluded to, was incredibly concerning. Um, and, and you know what, Scott? I mean, I think everyone, even if you're going to lose a game, you can lose games. I mean, if this game was a real tight 4-3 game, there would not be the same level of consternation around here right now. But what right. we saw, especially in the second period, where, um, as I kind of rolled out earlier, I mean, they lost just about every battle. They could not have been sloppier. They couldn't make a pass. 
They didn't yeah. seem to be connected at any point. And I realized there were some new lines. They were working with some new things. But, I mean, everything seemed to get compounded on top of each other. And then, as you mentioned, let's not forget about who you're playing. When you make those sloppy plays, when you're a little careless, when you don't have that extra jump to get back, this team, and particularly that player, will make you look foolish. And we saw a 20-minute period. It was almost like a worst-of compilation of the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, I really felt for Connor Hellebuck last night. I mean, I know there's yeah. always some people that'll jump on the goaltender. He deserved better from his teammates last night. I understand why Paul Maurice didn't pull him again because they yeah. didn't want that indignation of leaving the ice, you know, even without fans in the building. So they let him stay in. But knowing that, the lack of any response from the Winnipeg Jets to help him out in the second half of that period was really concerning. And man, you know, I, I, I left going into today. I mean, the game was, you know, was disgusting. It was terrible. But I really wonder where this team is at mentally right now. And a lot of this goes back to what we just heard from Paul Stastny as to whether that message will resonate within the Winnipeg Jet dressing room. Because it's not going to be the coach. It's not going to be the GM. It's not going to be the fans that get this turned around. It's going to happen if it's going to happen starting inside that dressing room. And it's not all going to be on the shoulders of Connor Hellebuck like it has been many times this year. No, I mean, they've rode... I, I used to use the joke that, you know, he's been kind of beaten like a rented mule, right? Like, I mean, this is a guy who has, has you know, he won the Vesna last year and carried this team into the playoffs. And as soon as you have some adversity in the game, everybody essentially gets around him. And I know quit is, that's a tough word to use. And if, if you use that for a lot of head coaches, that they very, you know, vehemently deny that players quit. But if you look at that third period last night, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, it, there was 20 minutes. The Jets showed nothing in that third period. You're down six nothing, and you're still getting hemmed into your own zone. You know, like I mean, that that's the response that you're going to come out like. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's got to be difficult for fans. I mean, you know, I was on with you know Ken Ken Weeb and Sean Reynolds last night, and, and you're trying to sell hope after a game like that. And there's nothing to sell. I mean, you're out of you're out of your your stock is empty because there was nothing to sell after that game. I mean, players talking about embarrassing play. Yeah, the red flags last night were everywhere. You know, <laughs> and and that's you know that that's to me that's there's eight games to go and you're hitting your adversity patch now. But you're essentially and Paul Satsy essentially said they've been dealing with adversity and you know for ten to fifteen games. So that's a quarter of the season essentially. That you've been not playing where you need to be playing, or you're, you're uh, something we even on uh, on the calls today, you know, talking about, um, you know, just not, not, not connected, not anything. What what happened? You know, that's the part I don't understand right now. Is like what what happened? Where did it go wrong? And 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 if you were leaning on the fact that. You know, you were getting away with it, as was kind of put by, especially today. I mean, Matthew Perot just said it not long ago, talked about, you know, they were kind of just getting away with, you know, playing that way and still winning hockey games. Well, I mean, where is the leadership then? Because, I mean, you listen to Andrew Cop. The biggest thing for me last night, one, no letters came out and talked last night. Whatever. We can make of that what it is. But when Andrew Cop comes out last night, here's a guy that, that has – essentially said to the team that he will come out, he will handle these responsibilities. He likes talking to the media and, and he often has something insightful to say about what's going on. And last night 
that that guy struggled and he didn't know what the issue was. And that's a guy that oozes confidence. If you talk to Andrew Cobb at any point, I mean, someone would call him cocky. I don't. I mean, I think, you know, this is a guy who just, just knows what he's doing. But, I mean, and he's a leader on that team. I mean, Andrew Kopp, it, it, I would put him right up there with anybody that's wearing a letter in terms of what this guy does in the room and on the ice every night. Absolutely. He had nothing. Huss, he had nothing last night. And then that was like, that was that was a big thing. I mean, it's a little thing that maybe fans don't pick up on. Uh, you know, maybe we're around it a little bit more, whatever it is. But Andrew Kopp never has nothing to say. And last night he was struggling. You know, you know, strap on your balls, whatever. It's a good quote, but what does that mean? Like, what, what are they soft? You it's, know, funny what, it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because I said the exact same thing as we were trying to get you on. Andrew yeah. Kopp is not one to resort to just some cliche to say it for the no. sake of saying it so we can get out of there. And, and I don't. And I'm not saying that he was just trying to get out of there last night. I mean, he was one of the few guys that in the aftermath of the most embarrassing loss in a long time actually went and stood up. So I respect that. But you're exactly right. There are some times where you can get asked something and it's like, what am I going to say? We all just saw what happened. And there's not anything that he probably could have said that would have maybe made people feel better. But it was it was a difficult situation for him. Um uh, it was fascinating, though, to hear Paul Stastny, and you'll be hard to find a more respected guy in most dressing rooms around the right. league than Paul Stastny and where he fits in with this Winnipeg Jets team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, we can talk about who the leaders are and who, you know, if we did a redraft on who should you know be wearing the letters, maybe people would think differently. He's probably a guy that's in the mix, and he's also a guy that doesn't need a letter on his jersey, which is part of the reason why sure. I think we saw him out there last night. But to hear him speak at that length on the fact that a lot of the things that they've been doing that they've been getting away with have been caught up to them. Um, Listen, something's got to change. And maybe an embarrassment like last night is something is sort of that last straw. Because to me, Scott, this goes one of two ways. We either see the Winnipeg Jets figure it out get back to doing the things that they have to do to even give themselves a chance to win or things keep going in this direction. And I couldn't help but say it. I'm interested in your thoughts on this. I couldn't help but go back to the game results of the final 10 games of the 2019 season. Exactly. Yes. And so I'm, you know, and yeah, we're probably on the same wavelength here, but you remember the feeling around the team then, and there was a whole bunch of things. And like, I don't, I've never seen anything this year that sort of at all suggested that they weren't a pretty close tight knit team. Uh, We knew that there seemed to be some personal issues that year and some things behind the scenes that had sort of gotten rotten on the club. Yeah. But you think about them, they were comfortably in a playoff spot. They weren't really playing for anything at the end of the year. Um, And then, you know, you finish up with a five, nothing loss to Vegas, come back, big win against Nashville, five, nothing. Everything's okay again. Well, this is how the season ended a five, two loss to Dallas at home. Blowing a third period lead to the New York Islanders on home ice and losing that one in regulation, then losing to the Montreal Canadiens in a really lifeless effort, three in a row on home ice. Sound familiar, everyone? They come back, they squeak out an OT win against the Blackhawks, come back home against the Wild, lose 5-1. 
Then they had two final games of the season, and they went to Colorado. They were getting Buff back just in time, and if I'm not mistaken, that was the infamous game where Buff was smashing his stick on the uh, on the bench at the end of the power play where the first unit didn't come off, and then they nope. had the closed-door meeting with one game left in the regular yeah. season heading into the playoffs. I kind of feel like we're at that point right now for the Winnipeg Jets, and maybe it's a good thing that they actually have eight games to figure out what they're doing right now. But I would have to say, in my opinion, from watching this hockey club, this is the most concerning, crucial time for a team with a lot of talent that we've had since that season went sour and ended with a first-round exit. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I, I mentioned this last night after the game as well. I mean, I, 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 you wonder, you know, there's still players on this team that went through that. And, and you know, it, what was it that the similarities are still there? There was guys injured. Josh Morrissey, uh, uh, Dustin Buffin, down that, you know, their game fell off right around New Year's and they never found it again. I'm not saying the Jets game is, you know, dropped off, but like, let's extrapolate how many games would be left at this point in any other normal season. And, and you'd have a few more at this point. And, and yeah, I mean, maybe it is a blessing that it's happening now. And like you said, not at, you know, one game or two games left to go in the season where you're holding closed door meetings. You have a chance to, right the wrongs and kind of redeem yourself from that year but it sure does feel that way right and, and you know we haven't been in the room this year so it's hard to get gauge on you know we hear what the players say about it and and that sort of thing they're tight-knit and neil pionk today telling them you know we got to lean on our leadership and all that where was your leadership last night and where was it i, I just where it, was it today who spoke who uh, any of those guys come up no it was neil and uh neil and matthew perot you know again no letters today and, and, you know, whatever. No I mean, Veselinen today? I thought Veselinen might <laughs> no, be coming no, out for his take no, on what's happening. No, probably should, you know, that would be to, to him to have to come up there and, and work it. But it, it is, you know, there are similarities. And, and, and that, that, that was one of the things that I thought immediately last night. This, this, it's, it's almost deja vu. This feels familiar again. And now there's a chance to try and figure it out. But the problem is, I mean, you're, you, you've lost Adam Lowry. He's the guy that, that, that's been tasked. Time and time again to go it against Matthews and Marner and and, and McDavid and Drysital and you know Crosby and Melkin and, and and all those guys back when you know there was no COVID and and he's not there and then you lose your you're arguably your best forward the guy's probably the MVP on your team other than Connor Hellebuck this season if you take the goalie out of it oh my God was Ehlers missed last night well, you know yeah, I couldn't help his I just, entries were nowhere to be found exactly and you know in that second period when they just kept doing the same thing if there was one and and we've seen the jets in that situation at times before where it's sort of like they're skating in quicksand they can't keep going and they've always gone back to you know what give it to nick he'll rip a while in and calm things down control the puck get the zone in and then start going from there. And my God, that was missing last night. And, you know, we've talked all year long about how important he's been and how great he's been. And is he the best forward on the Jets? Well, we saw it in spades last night as to when this team needed Nick Ehlers. There was nobody else there to do the things that he did. And um, man, his, his, his uh, impact was felt in the press box last night, not being on the ice. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you saw it everywhere. I mean, that's the thing, like, you know, we've talked often about this being one of the deepest teams in the league and that sort of thing. But I mean, that argument it, it got tested and it has is now getting tested, and there's nothing deep right now. You know, like this is, you know, I, 
I don't want to. It, it's a four game losing streak. The Leafs lost five straight this year. Um, I think they lost eight of nine at one point. They're obviously all over the place there. They figured it out. It's incumbent on the Jets now to to, to stop the bleeding um, and, and, and stop it at four games. And if you look back and they go on, you know, let's say they win, you know, seven or six of the eight going into the playoffs, we're not talking about this. We're, we're talking about this being, you know, maybe a turning point in their season or, you know, they dealt with the adversity. But if, they, if this stretches to five, if, if, if you can't go out, what, you know, if there's no response tomorrow, and, you know, I wonder, you know, did the Lions play into that yesterday? You, you basically switched up lines completely and then throw them to the Wolves. There was no chemistry on any of those lines. Maybe Shifley's line. I, I thought Shifley kind of drove his line. He might have been one of the best players on the ice to me last night. Um, you know, and he had to be. I mean, you get benched the game before in Hockey Night in Canada in front of the team that grew up an hour down the road from. You know, you know that, that sent a message, I think. But nobody else was there. I mean, where was Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler, kind of MIA, uh, you know, and – you know, those, where were those guys? Those guys were skating back to the bench after pulling out of a puck sure. behind Connor Hellebuck yeah. over and over and over again. And yeah. you know what? For all the talk about Shifley's lazy skate back to the bench on Saturday that got his ass stapled to the bench, yeah. we saw Kyle Connor do it last night. I mean, Blake Wheeler was sort of put in a bad position on that Dubois uh, pass yeah. that didn't get to him and, you know, it was a couple steps back. But um it's over and over again. And again, we're not talking about, oh, man, the fourth line sucks. They were getting killed last night. No, no, no. no. It's the it's the top most important players. And I'll tell you what, uh, Scotty, looking ahead to a potential playoff matchup, a likely playoff matchup between these two teams, the inability for the Jets' top six, uh, like when it's not Adam Lowry going up with just the sole focus of his line to do everything they can to keep Connor McDavid in at check, um, he's feasted on the Winnipeg Jets. Remus went over the numbers that Dom put out. I mean, there's yeah. no player that's feasted on an opposition squad more this season than Connor McDavid to the Winnipeg yeah. Jets. And that is a very ominous sign considering a potential best of seven awaiting in a few weeks. And 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 really, like, I mean, if the Jets are going to figure out a way to stop him, they got to show it because they haven't shown it this year. Even in the in the times they won, it's still Connor McDavid on the score sheet. It's just you know they they were able to and, and like we've seen it we've seen it maybe once or twice in in this nine game series where where they've been able to kind of contain him and, and not, it contains the wrong word they've been able to manage him you know enough that he's not putting up four points in a hat trick you know that sort of thing. I mean we've also seen the Jets been able to do this against Matthews and Marner at, at times too where you can put in a good effort and they figure it out. It's just been so inconsistent. And so it's like, you know, I, I, I mean, they're only got one more game left. So even if they come out tomorrow, I think there's still going to be a lot of question marks. Even if they play McDavid well tomorrow and, and they win that game, there's still going to be question marks, right? Because, you know, you end up three and six against this team. And, and, and that's, that's. Oh yeah. Going. A win tomorrow night against the Oilers doesn't erase everything that's no. happened so far. No. I will say this though. I think that the challenges um, of Edmonton and the problems are, you know, as I said, if you want to look at one fortuitous thing, the timing of this, the focus is entirely probably going to be on Edmonton and beating this team over the course of the next three weeks. But again, if you spend so much time worrying about the guys you're playing, I think you're missing the big picture. Is the problems right now? Yeah. yeah, listen, that's a great opponent and a good team on the other side, yeah. but 
so much of this starts with themselves and what they are not sure. doing as opposed yeah. to what other teams are doing to them. Yeah. So you can replace, you know, McDavid with Matthews or, you know, even, you know, yeah. even the, the Habs, like, you know, this is, this is all in a lot of ways, this is a, a lot self-inflicted it's because self-inflicted, as great as McDavid, sure. as great as McDavid is, yeah. So many of those opportunities were put together on a silver platter yeah. by careless, sloppy play of the Winnipeg Jets. And that, against most teams, isn't going to get get it done. That, against the Edmonton Oilers, is going to get you embarrassed. And that's what happened last night at Bell yeah. MTS Place. Yeah, I mean, the Jets were the busiest pizza company in the city last night, right? I mean, they were, for two and a half hours, they're just giving it away. And you give it away to Connor McDavid, it's a breakaway. We saw it, you know, and, and there's just... You can't ask Connor Hellbuck to do more than he's already doing, right? And I think that is part of uh, it to me. And I've thrown this theory out to Paul Maurice a couple of times. I did it again today, and, and I still think they just they lean on him. They trust him so much; it's almost like an overtrust. Like you, you trust this guy so much that you just go and do whatever in front of him, and, and you you know that he's going to you know let's say eight times out of the ten make that save that you need him to make. But that's not you know that's just not how. It works. We saw it in the bubble last year. Um, you know, we, we've seen it now, even in the playoffs in 2018-19. He, he still needs run support, right? Like, I mean, every goalie does. It, it just, you know, if he, if he saves 36 out of 37, but you don't score a goal, it doesn't matter because you still lose one nothing. And the problem with this team, like you said, it, it isn't, you know, it, it's not the fourth line. It, it's not a, in a vacuum of a couple games here. It, it, it's, it's a foundational issue a fundamental issue. Well, okay, let me ask you that because he said that to you. He said, this is a fundamental, and I was noticing, and I let me just go yeah. back in the chats. They said it was Joe from Winnipeg. Actually, Maurice's comments are telling. His answer to Scott himself was, it's fundamental issues. You do not fix fundamental in the last eight games of the season. Well, there's no real option to do it. But what did yeah. you take? Like, what does that mean, Scott? I mean, what are these, what are the fundamentals that the Winnipeg Jets aren't doing other than making a damn pass, finishing a check, and winning a battle? Yeah. Well, I think it stems back to the same Mark Shifley reason, the reason why he was benched. They're not following the core values of this team. And I think those core values are everybody's trying to do something more than they need to do. Mark Shifley included. You don't, you know, I, I get it. Mark Shifley wants to come out on Hockey Night in Canada and show Austin Matthews he belongs in the same conversation. Or Connor McDavid. He hasn't shown that at all this year. I mean, I get it. The points are there. But it, when it comes to head-to-head with those guys, Mark Shifley ain't winning any of those battles. And, and that's part of the problem. And and I think that's a thing. I mean, Matthew Pro said it today. I mean, stop it with the minute-long shifts. You know, we need 35-second shifts. Get on with the ice. Let the other guys come out, right? Everybody's trying to overextend and do a little bit too much and trying to, and I think, you know, the, the hope plays, right? The hope plays, you know, I'll stay out for this extra shift. I'll turn around instead of going to the bench because maybe there's another rush coming. Well, we saw that with Shifley when he got benched. He tried to stay out there. Kyle Connor's going rushing down the left side. He's looking for something. Shifley can't skate anymore because he's played a minute 28. So he doesn't get in there. They turn the puck over. And then Mark Shifley glides to the bench, and and it's down the other way on a two on one in a four on four situation. And John Tavares scores a three one goal in that game, and that was kind of like a microcosm of exactly what the issues are right now that they're talking about. These fundamental issues where guys are just trying to do too much, or they're being selfish, or they're trying to play the hero role, or whatever. 
when really the most heroic thing that these guys can do is kind of park the ego thinking that you can affect this game as much as you think you can and, and let, you know, kind of the team go about kind of doing that uh, as a team instead of trying to everybody play for themselves. And, and I think that's part of the problem is, you know, it, there is no team game right now. It, it's just like, you know, guys are trying to figure out their own issues. They're trying to score. They're trying to, you know, silence their own problems that they have within, that the team's problems, the fans' problems, uh, the, our media problems. I mean, there's a lot riding on this. I know there's pressure on this team. But if you're just going to try and play hero all night, it's not going to work, and it hasn't over the last three or four games here. And, and I know Paul Maurice likes the first game of this this forward loss, but it doesn't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, you've lost four straight, and, and you're running out of – and like I said earlier, you're running out of hope to sell. And I don't think there was any last night. Yeah, well, if, as I said, if this was the Colorado game of 2019, be thankful, I guess, that there's eight more of these that maybe give them a little right. more time to figure maybe it that out. Is but, the positive. Um, well, that's about it. I, I'm trying yeah. to find another one, and uh, <laughs> it ain't easy. Hey, um, listen, before we go, and it's always great having Scott on the program. If you're not already following Scott on Twitter, at Scott Billick, what are you waiting for? And, of course, check it as we're covering the Winnipeg Jets in the pages of the Winnipeg Sun. Um, I noticed Kenny tweeting out the lines today, everything as is from last night, which was quite interesting. Um, do you, yeah. what, uh, I mean, maybe just a quick word about what coach had to say about tomorrow's game and what will, or what needs to be different other than everything that we've just talked about for yeah. the last 20 minutes as to what got them in this situation in the first place. Yeah. I mean, part of it's just simple playing part of it's a little bit of consistency, I mean, I get why you would keep the lines the same way because you want to see them again. Um, you, I guess a bit of redemption and that sort of thing. But I mean, really, I mean, Paul Maurice talked about it. I mean, it's you got to come out and play fundamental hockey again, right? I mean, that's kind of what it is. It, it, it's, I mean, I think even I'd have to go back and look at the quotes and re-listen to them. But you know, it, it, even he's thinking that you know, there's just. There's just not enough, not enough unity, I, I suppose, is you know what I'm kind of reading between the lines. Guys just trying to do too much. I, his words weren't really strained far too much from what his, you know, from from what the players are saying. I think they all know it. I mean, and they said they, you know, they went into the room this morning, the video room. They dealt with it and that sort of thing. They looked at it. There wasn't a lot of positive in the video. Um, <laughs> you don't I mean, say. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I I think Paul Maurice, you know, whether he's going to say it or not, is looking for a response, and he needs one because this a part of this is on him too, right? I mean, he's got to get the troops up, right? Because if he loses the room at this point, then it, it's all downhill from here, and so he's got to find a way too to extract it from his team as well, and ultimately the players have to do it, of course. Um, but you got to find the right combos, the right lines, the right defensive pairings, whatever it is, and figure it out. But, yeah, I mean, it looks status quo in terms of the lines. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, man, they, they need a better showing than they did on uh, last night or on Monday. Scotty, uh, you're doing such a great job both covering the team and uh, the uh, real important story to everyone in here in Brown, Manitoba. Always fun having you on the program. Enjoyed you Appreciate with the it. boys last night on Kenny and Rennie. And uh, thanks so much for doing this. We will do this again soon. And, uh who knows? Maybe have a, a a better atmosphere around the topics and the hockey club the next time we visit. But I really do appreciate you, uh, as always, Scott. Thanks for uh, coming on. Anytime, Huss. I appreciate it. Thank you. There he is, Scott Billick, at Scott Billick. And uh, follow him and all of his work at the Winnipeg Sun. We're going to talk some more hockey 
Um, you know, uh, you know, listen, if we wanted to just focus on the pause, if we could talk about the moose, we could talk about the ice and uh, make it a jet-free zone for a little while. Um, we'll do that for a bit with Kevin O coming up in just a minute. Of course, I wanted to thank our great sponsors, Royal Sports, day one with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk and long before then. And of course, Royal Sports is uh, the only place you need to go to get ready to dominate spring and get outside. Uh, incredible bike selection with new stock coming in weekly despite the worldwide bicycle shortage. E-bikes as well available and expanded fitness section with incredible new gear, shoes. They've got it all, not to mention skateboards, soccer, baseball, hockey if you're still playing. Um, hit up 650 Rally Nikkei or the Superstore at 750 Pemina Highway and tell them that your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Oh, and by the way, if you're an NFL fan, draft coming up on Thursday. All the new draft hats are there as well. So if you're real keen to welcome in the new player to your squad, you can pick that up as well. And of course, our friends Nick and Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ group. You can follow them on Instagram now, all in one, at DQ Manitoba. They'll take your cake orders there as well. Um, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Polo Park, DQ Northgate, and DQ St. Anne's. And right now, after 8 p.m., every night at all four locations, a special. Nick's always cranking out some specials. Two for five treat nights with regular cones, dip cones at all four locations for Nick and Nikki after 8 p.m. Pop by and uh, tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. All right. Um, I'm not sure whether he's got a martini. Maybe just a lineup of shots after the uh, hockey game in the National Hockey last night. But it is a game day. So I know our friend Kevin Olszewski is just getting ready for one more Winnipeg Ice broadcast of the year as we finish a uh, pretty wild 24 games for the local WHL squad. What's up, KO? How you been? Uh, I've been fantastic. Uh, I cover a hockey team that's 11-1-1 in the month of April, huh? So uh, <laughs> things are good here. Second place is locked and loaded, not slipping in the standings. I'm not going to be any playoffs to uh, chase the Western Hockey League, but uh, I've had a heck of a lot of fun. I can't believe how fast the two months, uh, the seven and a half weeks, have gone uh, covering the Winnipeg Ice in the Western Hockey League. The the regular season, uh, the finale is tonight against the Regina Pats for the ice, and uh, they want to finish things in style. And, of course, junior hockey, it's a big send-off, right, for your overage players. And uh, I'm pretty sure uh, one Peyton Krebs is going to be, if he's not a Henderson Silver Knight, heaven forbid he'll be a Vegas Golden Knight uh, next season, and he won't be back here in Winnipeg for a long, long time until he's playing at the downtown bar. Hey, man, it's great to have you back on the program. And yeah, and I'll get your thoughts on what's happening with the <laughs> NHL squad a little later on. But let's talk about it. You know, what's funny. Turn it off now, Huss. You, it, it is <laughs> tremendous freedom. You would not understand, my friend. There were days where I'd be like, ah, I guess we're going to talk about this for two hours. Did you, after. Did you miss Did you miss not doing the post-game show last night after? Uh, you know, I always get the meme, right, tweeted to me. The phone lines are open, and and it's just the pitchfork carrying crowd uh, from South Park. Uh, um, You know, I I do miss it. I I miss it even on nights like that. That's how much I miss it, Huss. So I'm not going to lie to you and say, you know, sugarcoated, oh, yeah, I just turned it off. No, I like the rest uh, of Winnipeg, you know, just complete. Yeah, masochist. Watched it right <laughs> till the bitter end. Uh, is Connor going to get 10 points tonight? Uh, you know, is Connor Helva going to get scored on while he's on the bench? Uh, you know, after pulled for Lauren Brosseau in the third period. I uh, know I can't help myself. And I do miss it even on nights like that, if that gives you any indication. 
how much uh, I miss what, you know, we kind of used to do, but I'm having a heck of a good time uh, in the meantime and in between time, the as calls, our good friend in Calgary used to say. The calls would have been fire last night. But anyways, <laughs> let's focus on, let's first off focus on the ice. Um, You know, at 20 games, it, at 24 games, as you mentioned, it's sort of, I mean, we were talking four or five weeks ago when you came on the program. It was just getting going. It was a great opportunity for you, considering everything that happened to us on Pemina Highway. And you also got a chance to watch a pretty fun, exciting team. And young men, I think, that were so happy and thankful to just get an opportunity to play after having the majority of a very important development season in their lives being taken away from them. Now that we're 23 through of 24, certainly the results of James Patrick's ice team has been great. But what have you seen from the club, how they've sort of grown through it and, you know, where they're at right now going into the final game of the season, even with the win falling just short of uh, Donnie Max, but Brandon Weekings, who had such a great run, I believe 18 and three and one before their final game. Yeah, you had to bring them up, right? I, I'm, I'm embedded. Huh? That's right. They that's right. You are. They are. You know, and and what a rivalry it was. Out in West Mass, yeah. seriously? You know? <laughs> Isn't yeah, that where so you're I, from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I'm a CKX TV survivor, so That's I do right. have some ties to that community and uh, to that organization as well. Uh, and phenomenal job for what the Weekings did. They, they essentially ran the table, right? It's the only team that the ice couldn't beat uh, in the bubble. And had they, we might have this game uh, and be playing for the Subway Cup, which is what is on the line and the Wheat King secured over the weekend. So, no, uh, full congratulations to them without a doubt and all respect to them who beat the ice in the four games that they played head-to-head. A couple of overtime matchups, a couple of questionable, you know, you know what junior hockey's like, huh? So a couple of calls you don't love, a couple of situations, uh, you know, that you, you wish could be a little different. But remarkable journey for the Winnipeg Ice this season in 24 games. And it all starts when you lose your stud uh, first round, you know, Bobby Max, the Bob father's got him number 15 uh, on his ranking board for the NHL draft. And Carson Lambos plays two games and has to leave for a medical procedure, right? So you lose him, and then two games later, you lose his defense partner. So you lose your top two D, play 24 games. Uh, they lost two other defensemen along the way in the interim. Peyton Krebs had to jump back and play defense for a week and a half, and he still uh, you know, put up a franchise record point-scoring streak and leads the league in scoring and assists and power play points and, and just go on and on and on. Uh, remarkable effort. And the development, you talk about it, right? These kids are so thankful. They saw what happened in the Ontario Hockey League, right? They didn't get a sniff. They didn't get a chance to get out there and play. So whether they had a great night, whether they had a good shift, whether they had a bad period, whatever it was, um, they were right back out there and they were ultra-focused, man. And this, you talk to James Patrick and he wants accountability and he wants to build, to build a culture around what Peyton Krebs and how that engine works. And they've absolutely had it because there's been games where they've teetered on the brink. They they won a bunch of games in overtime. They stormed back to win games that they probably had no business being in. There was nights where they could have mailed it in in the third period and said, ah, we're down two or three goals. It's not happening. They just continue to do it uh, and come from behind and beat everybody except Brandon. So uh, it, it, was a, it was really fun. Uh, and it was an amazing accomplishment. I know it's second place in silver medal and everybody will look at that and say, you know, that's not where you want to be at the end of the day for this group, for what they did and for who they were losing their top two D men. Oh boy. Uh, they were, it was, a, it was a fun run, man. You know, it, it certainly was. And, you know, credit to the, the organization, the head coach and all the young men that went out there and made the most of this opportunity. I have to ask you, 
what were the circumstances that led to no playoffs? And the reason I ask is that even if you weren't going to do a big series, I mean, I really, I was so choked last year. You'll remember, we'd been talking on the station. Good Lord, ice first season. We're going to get it's Wheaties. We are, yeah, we are getting Wheaties ice. I mean, this Manitoba rivalry is going to be set off. It didn't happen for obvious reasons. But, I mean, with they're in the bubble, I'm thought, can we at least get, like, a best of five or something for the Subway Cup with the top two teams and let's keep it going? I'm disappointing it's not happening. Do, do we know it all about was this just basically a safety thing with what's happening with the virus? They thought, we've been here long enough. We're going to get these games in and then get everybody back home safe and sound. Well, yeah, and especially because when you look at their records last year, Huss, the Weekings won the first four. They played eight times in the regular season. The Ice won the next four. So they lost the first <laughs> four here. So they were destined to be uh, on track to, to take down the hard travels. I, you know what? It, what they looked at was playoffs as a whole, right? Is there any way that you could have the Central teams and the Alberta teams and the BC and the U.S. teams uh, all get together for an actual playoffs and a Western Hockey League championship? And because the, the – season was staggered in all of those divisions like the u.s division bc division got going later uh central division and every division other than the east bubble in regina had shutdowns due to covid along the way uh so there's teams in those divisions like the Kelowna rockets are only going to play 16 games out of the 24 they're not going to get the full skid in calgary medicine hat same idea in the central uh so i think they looked at it um and just said you know, you've proven your point because you played these same teams. You played everybody four times. Uh, it's on an equal basis. We're going to dole out the end of season awards by division uh, because you would be waiting another month, right? It'd be a Memorial Cup situation where you got a team, you know, the host team sometimes yeah. that waits two months to get out and play hockey. And then you get back to quarantining and where these kids are at and injuries and all that. So it just wasn't feasible this year. I think they exhausted every available option and opportunity to try to do it. Uh, it would have been a heck of a a lot of fun but you know what given what we've seen from these two teams i don't know if it would have ended any different i don't know if it would have proven anything we didn't already know kevin olszewski with us wrapping up ice season they play the final game of 24 tonight they'll finish just back of the brandon weekings in second place in the east division when it's all said and done you mentioned peyton krebs we've had him on the show before i mean just such a wonderful young man very bright future with the Vegas Golden Knights organization. Carson Lambos was the other player we've talked to before who will be a first-round pick in this year's draft. But outside of that group, let tell us about some of the other exciting players that you saw, including a 15-year-old coming in. And I know there was one 15-year-old everyone was talking about. That's Connor Bedard and Regina. But the Ice had their own. Who are some of the newer, younger players of the Ice that you've seen right now that hopefully we'll be able to see in person next year with fans in the building here in Winnipeg? Well, the future is incredibly bright. You know, I look at that branded team that, you know, is going to edge out the Ice by, you know, two or three points for the Subway Cup. Uh, well, they're graduating most of their top players, right? Braden Schneider's going to be playing uh, either, you know, with the New York Rangers or within the organization. He He's going to be off to the races. Uh, for the Winnipeg Ice, um, you know, between Zach Benson, who's the uh, aforementioned underage 15-year-old, 10 goals in 24 games. The kid is, you know, 5'5", 120 pounds, remarkable hockey sense. I know Connor Bedard lit it up uh, and had 28 points in the 12 games that he played, not taking that away from him. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are staggering, right? So He's going to lead the U18 team now uh, on to glory without a doubt. Uh, but so you've got a 15-year-old who's an underager, and then their first pick, 
uh, from last year's draft, who came in as a 16-year-old, Connor Geeky, uh, whose brother Morgan is playing with the Carolina Hurricanes right now, is six foot four. He's over 200 pounds and timely goals. Like this is not the big man, like the power forward. This is the dangle big man, the Mario Lemieux type. He doesn't look like he's going that fast. How did he just blow my doors off kind of player? And, and timely goals from this kid uh, when they needed a spark, uh, when they needed an overtime winner, he absolutely walked players. He had both four or five highlight real goals. So, yeah, they're going to lose Peyton Krebs next year, but uh, their veteran core that's going to move up in Jake and Smallwood and Connor McLennan, who's a Philadelphia Flyers pick, he's second in the league in goals right now. Those guys are coming back. And these young kids, they really worked their way up. Uh, they got a guy named uh, Mikey Milne back. He had offseason so- uh, shoulder surgery. When he came back and he fit in with those two young kids, um, and he's actually draft eligible eligible this year Uh, when he came back into the lineup he's got tons of speed uh, and plays real smart game Uh, when those three got together they moved up to be the bona fide second line of this team and they're 15 16 17 years old so uh, they're going to lose some and there's a legacy that Peyton's going to leave you know on this young Zach Benson on how to prepare and and how to get ready and how to focus yourself and you don't have to be the biggest body to be the most effective player future's incredibly bright and not to mention the defenseman that stepped up uh, you know, in the absence of Carson Lambos and Nolan Orzek, who who weren't there to play. And then in goal, you know, you always got to talk about goaltending, especially in Winnipeg these days. <laughs> uh, they had a 16-year-old kid show up and and basically earn equal time with a 20-year-old veteran who went to uh, the dub final with the Seattle Thunderbirds in his rookie season, who they brought in as a 20. And uh, the incumbent from last year, a six-foot-seven uh, Gage Alexander, who all three goaltenders, they are great. I mean, you, you only lost five games in the whole process. So obviously your goaltending was great, but uh, this young kid, uh, he's not very big, but holy cow, did he stop a lot of pucks and he just absolutely battles and, and he's calm, cool, and collected. You don't often see a 16 in goal come in and, and be really um, successful. And, and, you know, his numbers weren't great, but he uh, the only game he lost was in overtime to the Weekings. He was 7-0-1. Uh, in his starts in the bubble. So uh, just incredible uh, glut of talent coming to the Winnipeg ice down the line here. And this year of development, like I said, right, would have you seen a 16-year-old play goal in this league? You would have had 20 and you would have had a 17-year-old, uh, the big guy who you brought in, right? You would have, This kid would have never got a sniff unless there was injuries. The, the guys on the back end that got to play, uh, you know, Zach Benson would have been afforded as an AP five games and that would be it. Uh, no, he comes in and plays all 24 and is going to be locked and loaded when they have a full season next year. So the Ice Cave, if we all get back there and we know how insane we're all going to be just to see live sports again, if we can get back uh, at the U of M and rock and roll, and uh, with this team, it's going to be just it's going to be it's going to be nuts us next no, year. I guarantee, you know, so exciting with the uh, the young talent that they've got on this club. And uh, as I said, just exciting to think about being able to get back into some of these rinks and uh, and see it right in front of our eyes. Kevin Olszewski is with us. Um, K.O., I have to ask you about the Jets. Um, I mean, listen, I mean, we see the I'll chat check right with my now. buddy. And hey, soft monkey, right what'd you think? <laughs> That's oh, about he, the... was pl- he was playing D last night, so it's okay. <laughs> um, you know, I was talking with Billick earlier. I, I, at the end of that game last night, just with where the team is right now, at the end of this season, it reminded me of the end of the 2019 season when they were going in the wrong direction at the worst possible time. They had their playoff spot all but wrapped up, and they literally 
moonwalked into the playoffs with some of their worst performances of the season at the end of the year. Um, you know, the Jets do have eight games left in the regular season, but I mean, from your perspective, how concerning is it what we've seen from this club that really hadn't had any rough rides for the majority of the first 40 odd games of this regular season? Well, I mean, it is what it is and it's ugly out there and it, you know, it all came crashing down on them and was, you know, there for everyone to see last night without a doubt. I'm trying to remain optimistic that, that it's not the same, that it, is different somehow that, you know, two weeks ago, the Toronto Maple Leafs were in the same tailspin, right? And, and then they turn it around. We we put such a laser focus on this North division, the way, you know, every game and, and you, you move so far. I mean, this is the first slump of any kind that they've had all season. Um, you know, is it horrible timing? Yes. Are, are all the wheels off the apple cart and, and their groceries all over the aisle? There might be. And we certainly could get there. Uh, or could they tip things back up and, and be on the right track? I think there's a chance, uh, but it doesn't feel good. And the Nikolai Ehlers injury is, is is just devastating, right? But if now Connor Hellebuck's not stopping pucks uh, and you're seeing, you know, no Lowry and no Ehlers, and it's, it's everything that we kind of said all season, you know, if they don't get top flight goaltending or if the other teams – take it to another level or another gear as we heard in the post game uh, last night and you're not you're not there um you know maybe you're not there and and maybe this is just a stone cold reality and and you're going to face it and, and walk into it because i we always talk about identity right like so what is their identity they can't skate with mcdavid they can't score with toronto they can't defend with either of those teams they've tipped system you know, you can say what you will about the Oilers personnel. They bought in and they defend, right? And and they're, the Oilers are only going to be as good as Mike Smith. And when he's hot, he's hot. And he's great. And when he's not, he's really not. And when he cools off and when that happens, you know it's coming. It, does it, you know, does it come at the end of a playoff run? Does it come before that? Uh, we will wait and see. It hasn't happened yet. So you keep counting them out. And, and you know, they don't match up with the Oilers. They don't match up well with Montreal. They don't match up well with Toronto. Uh, with those are the four teams that you have a chance playing in the playoffs. I don't like your chances. Uh, so I'm worried. I'm worried like everybody else. I'm trying to stay positive and say that, you know, this is just a blip and they're they're sorting out their business. But, boy, there just seems like there's smoke all over the place, right, with the Shifley thing. And well, let me ask you about exactly with that. What Stasny said last night. Yeah, and when the Stasny thing, I mean, I think that was some well-needed truth for, I think, everyone in that locker room. And, I'm not sure if they're getting it from many of the other players, but that's a guy people will listen to. And I think some of the things that he said absolutely needed to be said, and I'm glad that he did. But speaking of Shifley, um, I mean, there's no one in this city that's talked more about the coaching decisions and the players than you over the last few years, both on the program, but directly with fans after every game on our post-game shows back at the old station. Um what did you think when you saw on Saturday night Shifley's keister stapled to the bench for 17 minutes in the second period? I was screaming in real time, to be honest with you, Huss. I saw that shift unfold, the four-on-four, four, and he went up and down the ice three more times after Wheeler had gotten off and that he had no business being on the ice. And then the big loop around behind the net, uh, you know, as you see the rush going down the other way. And, and honestly, I said he should be benched for that. I don't think he will be, right, because it, it very rarely happens. So – it was the right move. It's what needed to happen. The dude has not been good in his own end for years now. Everybody knows that. He's not focused on it. And when he wants to play that way, like he did in that Nashville series, you know, you go back, I know he was scoring a ton of goals, 
Um, but in my mind, uh, the effort, it, you know, defense in the NHL is about effort, right? You have to be, I know it's not fun and all the cookies are at the other end and that's where you want to work your magic. Um, but you have to work twice as hard in your own end to get those opportunities. And there's just too many made the frames, right? And the, the data bears it out. Uh, you know, your top offensive players, they're not going to be your best defense players. You know, Patrice Bergeron is a unicorn, right? Sidney Crosby, there's going to be very few who can do that. Jonathan Taves, you know the short list of the players who do that. So Scheif isn't one of those guys, and he doesn't need to be. <laughs> but he needs to be, you know, average at, at best, and you have to put in that effort at, at that end. And I, you know, you see it. The, the proof is in the video, right? It, well, for sure. It was a message that absolutely needed to be sent by the coach, and some would argue, myself included, that maybe that message was overdue, you know, in the past, this season, previous seasons, and it didn't happen. All that being said, as a coach – you know, especially with the star player, you only have so many cards to play, right? And I mean, Hockey's this was different than it was in our era where the coach made the law, right? Now, oh, you know, the players run the room, right? No, if and, and that's a big reason why I think it took so long for it to get to this point where Maurice decided to do something as obvious and public in that circumstance as he did on Saturday night. So my question to you is... um, like, where do, where does this go from here? Because, I mean, hey, best case scenario, Shifley gets the message taken, comes out and plays some of his best hockey. If that doesn't happen going forward, is this something we will look back to and continue to talk about that, think about that, hap- you know, if things don't go in the right direction, considering what has happened over the course of this week, I mean, do we then, I mean, obviously, there's a big part of the fan base that's already talking about Paul Maurice, but... You know, can those guys do those guys live happily ever after, Kevin? Or are we at sort of a crossroads where the player probably decides how he is going to react to this? Um, and in a lot of ways, the fate, at least the short term fate of the franchise, almost hangs in the balance. Uh, I go back to history and history between these two guys. And you know that hockey's like a family. And, you know, I heard Elliot Friedman say the other day that, you know, internally guys are saying, like, I'm sick of these guys, right? These 20 guys, that's the only thing that I've seen, you know, <laughs> for the last six months. And so everybody's emotions are heightened, right? What we're reading in to this insane season, you know, it's great that we have hockey. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I need it just like everybody else. But I think we're, you know, we're reading into every little detail because we honestly have nothing else better to do uh, at this point. And I think there's a strong history there. I think there's a strong relationship. This is different than Patrick Liney, where you had a young player who didn't have that established. Like, you know, you have Paul is talking about statues. The Shipe's going to go up. And, you know, it, all, th- there's been deposits in that bank of accountability and trust between these two. And, you know, is this as much a message to Shifley as it is to the rest of the team. And is that what Paul says? You know, do we just have the wrong read on it, right? You're taking it word for word from what they're saying in it. And everybody puts their slant on it. The people who hate Paul Maurice are like, well, good. The coach is out and Shife is pissed at him. And, and this is going to end And Hellebuck's mad that he got pulled or all these guys who all want the same thing, which is to win, which is what we all want. You know, are we missing the read on Maurice's message? Wasn't, 
necessarily, I mean, it was to Shifley as an individual, but it's to the rest of the team that I will do it to him and the rest of you need to fall in line as well because everybody's cheating a little bit for offense, like Paul Stasny said last night, and then just put that, you know, skew on it that all of a sudden it's everybody wanting to be better and wanting to get out of this four-game skid and wanting to be prepared for the playoffs and knowing that their game isn't where it needs to be. And all of a sudden it's just a tweak and it's just an adjustment as opposed to a complete, we're pushing the TNT button and we're blowing this thing up. Could it go that way? Absolutely. You know, was was there smoke and fire with the Dustin Bufflin situation? And, you know, as much as I tried to say, ah, come on, it can't be that bad. Well, apparently it was, right? Because <laughs> dude walked away. Uh, so, you know, uh, you can only read into so much. It's only what they're saying. But all I'm saying is that there, there's always a perspective. You come at it and you hear those comments from what your perception is, right? And what you think and what you want. And we don't have all the information. So this is, you know, at the end of the day, they're making the playoffs, right? And there, you have to get into the dance and then we see what happens. I don't want them to back in like they did before. Uh, but, you know, without Ehlers and without Lowry right now, that might just be the way that it happens. Sorry. Well, we'll uh, see what happens tomorrow night. Eight games to go. I think we'll find. Do I have out to watch? About... I'll yeah. watch the first two minutes. Uh, you, and that's you, it. You'll watch. You'll watch because, of course, you'll have nothing to do after tonight. <laughs> Just before we go, uh, tee up uh, the final ice game of this twenty-four game regular season. Uh, they finish up against the hosts, the Regina Pats. Uh, they've beaten them three straight times, but real fun, entertaining style of hockey. They, the Pats, now that they've lost Bedard to the U18s, uh, they want to open it up. They want to skate. They want to have some fun. So, uh, you know, Peyton Krebs got the franchise uh, point scoring streak. Uh, he's gone every game except the first one against the Weekings. He's had a point breaking Mike Comrie's record from uh, 21 years ago when he played with the Kootenai Ice at the time. Broke that last night. Uh, so that there's they're unencumbered, right? You can't finish higher than second. Go out. This will be the last. You waited a year and a half to get to these games. Uh, the two months have blown by. Get this game in. Enjoy it. There's no, you know, there's no penalties for not having fun in this one, and it might be five and a half months before you get to play again. So uh, pregame on a uh, station, 1290 yeah. a.m. on that's, your dial that's in funny. Winnipeg, 630, and uh, 7 o'clock, Mitch Peacock will have a call from Regina. It'll be a fun one without a doubt. Hey, buddy, give my best to Mitch and everyone with the ice on a great season. We will talk to either the coach or Jake kind of to wrap everything up once it's all done. But uh, always fun catching up with you. Let's do this again soon when you've got uh, when you're back to having plenty of time for us. <laughs> Love it and miss you guys for sure. Thanks, Kale. There he is, Kevin Olszewski. Give me a follow on Twitter if you haven't already at Sports Kevin O. Um, obviously doing a great job. And what a season it has been for the ice. I mean, all those teams have been through so much. It is great that they were able to get 24 games in. Um, They've got 23 in, 24 down. And, of course, congratulations to a good friend of mine, Don McGilvery, as the head coach of the Brandon Wheat Kings, who um, are going to be crowned the Eastern Division champions um, based on the regular season. All right, that was great stuff with Kevin. Great stuff with Scott Billick. Um, want to remind you, Valspar gets going tomorrow on the PGA Tour. We'll be talking about it on uh, heading into the weekend for our friends at Breezy Bend Country Club. Breezy Bend, the course is back open, doing some incredible work on the course right now with maybe the best staff to do that in Manitoba. 
but if you're thinking about um, maybe making a move to an incredible private club for next year, they are full right now. They're building that waiting list. Find out more at breezyben.ca. Give Corey a call over there and talk to him about getting involved from next year, and hopefully we'll see you out on the links. Cannot wait to get out there at some point this season. And, of course, if you're thinking about, um, you know, maybe a getaway right now in Manitoba, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, uh, about a 45-minute drive from the city, quick up and down in the plain, and then you're at just a world-class resort run by incredible people, the Turin family. And uh, normally in June, they're completely full with American visitors. That's obviously not happening this year. So some of the most popular dates during the entire season available right now for Manitobans. Find out more at AikensLake, A-I-K-E-N-S, lake.com or on Twitter at Aikens Lake. All right, let's get Remus back in here. We'll get to the Cool Bet lines in a minute for our friends at Cool Bet Canada. Um, well, Rima, I'm not surprised we uh, had quite a bit to say today about what we're seeing and not seeing from the Winnipeg Jets. I know the chat has been popping all show long, and uh, I believe I saw we got the 3.8K subs too. So uh, despite the performance of the team, a lot of other good things happening around Winnipeg Sports Talk today. Really enjoy the chats with Kevin and Scott. Yeah, 3,800 YouTube uh, subscribers, big milestone. So thank you everyone in chat. If Thanks you're not, everybody. If you're the not road subs- to 4K. Yeah, we're on the road. So it's been uh, under two months and we're already here. So we've picked up a bunch on today's show. So it's so awesome. And, you know, our analytics say, Hus, 40% oh. of the people in chat right now are not subscribed. So if you're not, what are you doing? Or tell us, really? what, we're do- tell us what we're doing wrong and uh, hit that subscribe button. So uh, pretty awesome to see everyone. Wow. Great, great chat. I can't believe we can even know that going on. Well, yeah, d- hook us up, folks. I mean, we're having some fun. It's a free show. we got some great sponsors, great guests. Hit that red subscribe button and do us a favor. Hit the like button, too. It's the thumbs up. may have to close the chat to do that. But uh, that apparently helps us as well in the world of analytics, which... Uh, Remus, you know, now an analytics guy. Maybe not as much in hockey, but certainly in the world hey. of the internet. Hey, I like uh, I like the hockey analytics, but yeah, I'm pouring over these YouTube analytics, uh, podcast analytics. Uh, actually, uh, iTunes has some new analytics I was looking at. I listed off like every single city in Manitoba where someone has tuned in. And uh, here, should I pull these up right now? I can... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've you got wanna, some time to do that I'll before give, we get to the cool bet numbers. Give some love to all of our yeah, listeners around certainly the people. province and I'm everywhere gonna, else. I'm going to get uh, Flin Flon, the Paw, Nipah, Minidosa, Swan River, Thompson, Carmen, Stonewall, Dauphin, Altona, Lactabani, Neverville, Portage, Brandon, Selkirk, Winkler, Gimli, Steinbeck, and of course, Winnipeg. So pretty much all over the province, uh, people are getting Thank us. you, everybody. And that's only on Apple Podcasts. That's only on Apple Podcasts. I know there's a lot of other podcast providers, so pick your uh, favorite one and uh, and hop on. We are very high in the iTunes uh, hockey charts as well. Yeah, and you know what? Listen, for people that are with us on YouTube right now, while you're making sure you're subscribed and liking, um, hit us up. Just throw in where you're listening to us. Uh, there, Mitch is in Motown. The Bullet is in Selkirk. Um, so yeah, hit us up with where you're listening to right now. We obviously love to know where everyone is coming from and... Um, you know, as we get out of jet season into the summer, uh, we'll be able to do a lot more, you know, Manitoba stories, Manitoba athletes, Manitobans going to the Olympics, all sorts of things that'll hopefully uh, resonate with people around the province as well as just here in Winnipeg, albeit 
We are called Winnipeg Sports Talk. Sean's headband's out in Winkler. Oh, and Sean, Sean's headband, by the way, you were asking about the lid I'm wearing right now. Shout out to my boy Doobie, who I think is watching. Yeah, it's from The Peg Authentic. They've got a little store on Corden. You can pick it up there. Just look them up online at The Peg Authentic. This is the uh, this is the snapback, and uh, yeah, definitely one of my favorite, favorite hats. Uh, let's see where else we got here. Michael Northam's in Lorette. Uh, we've got God's Country. That, of course, is Transcona. We know where that is. Taylor's listening from work. We know where you work, Taylor. Uh, James Stevens in Oak Bank. Sandy and G are in North Winnipeg. So we got St. B, Ericsdale. We've got River Heights here. We've got La Brokery. Jeff Cabillis. Oh, maybe he knows Ty in La Brokery. Sunny St. Vital. We got Elmwood. We got St. Adolph. Um, and Yoni Rima is popping in every day from Vaughan, Ontario. Love it. NLCC is out in Vancouver. And uh, beautiful downtown Lockport for Pat Cananuga. And, of course, Caleb and a bunch of gangs supporting the stream from yeah. the wonderful capital city of Winnipeg, Manitoba. There you go. And one of the comments in chat, you know, you were talking about it with Scott and Kevin. What this game reminds you of. And we had a lot of people in chat listing off some of the worst Jets games ever. And I kind of like doing that. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm a sick person. <laughs> Like I put stick, I'm very, I think because I tweeted, you know, the two year anniversary of the Kevin Hayes goal or no, you know, oh, no goal where he, you know, took the puck out of the blues net from 2019. People are like, why are you tweeting this? I'm like, you got to remember this stuff. And people are uh, giving shout outs to Claude Noel's last game as head coach okay, versus okay, Columbus. Grieb, okay, listen, Grieb texted Brian Grieb, shout out to Brian, who's out in yeah. California, a long time, one of the most loyal listeners of 1290. He certainly fits the category of a 1290 orphan. Tweeted me last night in the second period, this feels like the Columbus game yeah. at Hustlerama. And that was all basically we needed to say. We knew that game. I will never the forget co- it. The Colum- I remember the, the Columbus co- game The Columbus too. game. I sat in my seats up in 316 mm-hmm. with our old friend Joel Marcoux. And Marcoux said, you know, we got into the third period. It was a Saturday night, uh, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And we were having a few beers. And, you know, we're now, it's five minutes into the third period. We're like, man, should we just go to the Shark Club or something? Like, this yeah. is... <laughs> This is bad. And Marcou goes, no, no, we should stay. We should stay till the end because this smells like the end. And <laughs> lo and behold, lo and behold, the next morning, yeah. Sunday a.m., uh, the press release came out. We knew what happened. It was the end of Claude Noel. And listen, I'm not there for last night. I mean, the game in Columbus was a team that completely quit on their head coach, I, I, I thought. Um, the team last night didn't quit as much as they were just completely lost. And then they were lacking a lot of what you hope to see from a team, um, you know, to get themselves back in it. And they just simply didn't do that. Um, But I'll tell you what, you have a couple more games like that Mm -hmm. on this stretch going in. Like, listen, nothing's going to happen now. I mean, I know we always get the people, ah, it's the coach, change the coach. Guys, Listen, Kevin Chevaldeoff is not pulling a Lou Lamorello and gassing his coach and stepping up behind the bench to take over going into the playoffs like Lou did on a couple of occasions in the past. I, I, that's not happening right now. However, I mean, this is going to go one of two ways. And if it goes the wrong way for the Winnipeg Jets, I think at that point you have huge questions about what happened this season. How did this happen the way that it did? And is the team on the right path? And I mean, this goes for coaching 
And it also goes for personnel. And, you know, we'll have eight regular season games to sort of see the way the team is trending from what I think we all hope was rock bottom last night. Um, but again, regardless of what happens in those eight games, the real the real determination will come from their performance in the playoffs. And, you know, as I said, you know, it is not looking good against the Edmonton Oilers. This team has owned the Winnipeg Jets in their last five matchups. Um, you're coming off a terrible, embarrassing performance on a home ice that I think has left a lot of people searching for answers, especially the people in that Jet dressing room. But again, this will be... You know, if you want to call this a referendum on the organization, the fans may be. I'm not sure whether Kevin Chevaldeoff or, most importantly, Mark Chipman thinks that, but we'll see. I do know that it's a very competitive group. I do know that there's a lot of belief that this team is a quality team and is ready to go and make an impact come playoff time. Um, it's pretty hard to determine that if you were just watching the team for the past week. So I'm fascinated to see what we get out of this club tomorrow night and eat win or lose less concerned with the actual result. That'll be for come round one of the playoffs, but can they, can they get a bit of their mojo back? Can they play with some pride? Can they compete the way you need to compete to win in the national hockey league? That wasn't there last night. And if that is there, then maybe everything else can come together. But if you don't start with that, <laughs> it's not even a conversation. Yeah, the one thing for for me, yes, yeah, you definitely want to see a much closer game. You want to see, I think we're at the point where it's like, okay, we want to see an effort. What you really like to see is them to hold, you know, even if they lose, hold McDavid to, <laughs> like, can you hold, he's average, like, more than two points a game. Uh, I, I just had it looked it up. It was 19 points in eight games against the Jets. Uh, that's absurd. Seven goals, 12 assists. I mean, you look at him, the guy's unstoppable. He can skate. I mean, his stick handling on that, uh, with that OT winner, he's just showing, not the OT, with the hat trick goal, he's just showing off there. Uh, he's incredible to watch. And every single time you watch him, you're like, oh, oh my God. I know Jets fans are having flashbacks, like, oh, this is what, you know, what it must have felt like watching the 80s Jets against Gretzky. Uh, it's certainly rough. And you were talking about games that it reminds you of. I keep, I love, I love, I sickly has love bringing up 2012, Ovechkin and the Capitals coming to Winnipeg oh, for two the games. the back-to-back games, total and, combined score of 10-1. Yeah, you had a 4 nothing in the first one. These were games the Jets needed to win to get into the playoffs. It's not quite the same now, but these are games, you know, the Jets were gunning for first place. They needed to win those games against Toronto. Didn't go so hot. Now it's like, okay, can you write the ship? Three-game losing streak, first one of the year. I don't want to say it was a no-show last and night. That happened. <laughs> yeah, they got <laughs> lost six-one. McDavid had a hat trick. Well, now let's go back to back. Let's see again. You know, is it going to be more of the same? Like, if you have the exact same thing, like they did two games in a row. I mean, I remember that first game against Washington. It was like, okay, a four-nothing. That's not going to happen again. And this is 2012. Feels like yesterday to me, but apparently that's nine. Oh. Nine years ago now. That that uh, so there's a lot of scars. There's a lot of scar tissue. I was at both of those games. So, Th- those yeah. are the t- two games that re- that remind me. Not to mention where it all started coming apart was the. Uh, remember back when everyone thought it was cute and cheeky to boo the best player on the other team nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and then Eric Stahl basically scored two goals, won a huge game for Carolina against the Jets, and yeah. essentially told everybody exactly what he was thinking about with this play and his reaction afterwards. Yeah. It sort of stopped a little bit after that, but certainly it wasn't doing the home team any favors. Anyways, hopefully we won't have to go down misery lane after Wednesday's I, oh, game, because <laughs> yeah. they do have, they, they, not memory lane, so, misery lane. Sorry for bringing that up, but you're just like, yeah, it reminds me of uh, 2019 when they lost all those games and backed in the playoffs. <laughs> Well, it's funny. Stanley Cup champs, although it, it totally does, and it is a lot of the same team. And if that happens again, you do have to wonder. Oh, you know, changes are definitely going to be made if the exact same thing happens. I mean, how could they? You'd like to think that, right? No, significant changes, significant changes, and whether that's coaching, personnel, both. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, and I said there's still lots of hockey to be played. I mean, let's not, you know, as bad as that game last night, and as freaked out as everyone is about the last week, um, you know, things could be way worse. They could not have accomplished what they did. Be safely in the playoffs. We couldn't be planning for this, but um, none of that's really going to matter if the team doesn't play better. They do have some time to do exactly that. You brought up how Connor McDavid has owned the Jets. Um, it's a perfect segue into our cool bet daily lines. Because before we get to the daily lines, was doing the lock shop earlier today with my buddy Dustin Nielsen in Edmonton. By the way, happy birthday, Dusty. Big birthday today for him. Uh, and you can check that podcast afterwards or check it out on my Twitter with all our picks for tonight, some golf and whatnot going into, the, uh, going into Tuesday night. But Dustin, when we were talking about how much McDavid is owning the Jets right now and what he's doing right now, so he contacted Chris Abbott to get in touch with the bookmakers. And right now, we have a prop up on CoolBet of whether Connor McDavid will hit the 100-point barrier, 100-point mark for the season. So essentially, it's over under 99.5 season points. He needs 19 in 10 games to do it. And the over is the favorite at minus 133. The under is plus 105. Now, it's interesting, Reem. The first thing I asked is, well, wait a second. How many games left against the Jets? Yeah, <laughs> because just those, one. Because those have, been, those have been big point games for Connor McDavid. Well, that game is tomorrow. We've spent a lot of time talking about what the Jets are going to hopefully do against McDavid. They haven't done so far this season. But you think about 10 games, the potential of maybe being rested at the end if they pretty much know what the story is. I mean, how important is getting to 100 points in a 56-game season um, for McDavid or for the organization? So I think there's value at the under at 99.5. That being said, watching what he's done to the Winnipeg Jets up close and personal, it's pretty hard to bet against Connor McDavid in pretty much anything right now. Remus, I'd also make a bet that he is the unanimous Hart Trophy winner at the end of this season. He better be. If he's not, the award's broken. Um, I, you know, there could be some other player, you know, who helped some fringe team get into the playoffs. But I mean, you're looking at his point totals. I mean, there's no question here. So uh, he's by far he's got the highest points per game since Mario Lemieux in uh, t- you know 2000 2001 when he came back from what like big back injury after a few years off. It's incredible yeah. what Connor McDavid is doing. We're very lucky to be able to watch this guy, but sadly, uh, he has to play for Edmonton. Like, uh, couldn't he play for some team in the East, like Crosby? We never have to see him. But yeah. uh, 
<laughs> I mean, hey, be- you know, it's a double-edged sword. We got to watch these incredible players yeah. all year long, but then you got to go through them to get through it. Although I think you can look at the rest of, you know, whether you're talking about Vegas and uh, the Avalanche in the West or Carolina and Tampa in that division or Boston, Pittsburgh, Washington, the Islanders. Um, you know, you could make an argument that maybe this is the might be the easiest division to get out of. It's- so at the same time, I- I'm here for all of it, but... Um, I'm very, very interested and intrigued as to what we're going to see from this Winnipeg Jets club tomorrow night, considering oh, how ugly last night was. I can't, I can't wait to see like what this big story. But just back on McDavid, I mean, it's hard not to watch the game last night and see what he's done against the Jets this year, and be like, how many more years is he going to be doing this to us <laughs> on the Oilers? Let's get back to the Central, back yeah. to the Central ASAP. What, what, yeah. <laughs> Bring on the South, whatever the Southeast division. I miss, I miss those times. Well, you had to deal with Ovechkin then, but uh, he really um, has been slaying the Jets. But yeah, tomorrow's game. I'm, I'm very hyped for it. Uh, we did have some media. We didn't get to Paul Stasny's second clip. Uh, yeah, you know Jets. what? Listen, cue that up. I just want to finish these cool bet lines for the games tonight. We've got eight games in the National Hockey League. Some of the more interesting ones tonight. The Nashville had a big win against the Panthers. They're going back-to-back, head-to-head. Panthers minus 120, road favorite. Panthers plus 102 on the money line. Uh, this game was off the board for a while. I have a feeling it has something to do with Alex Ovechkin's availability for tonight. Islanders were originally an underdog. They're now a favorite on the road against the Capitals. Islanders minus 114, Caps minus 103 in the mix of that crazy push for the playoffs in the East. And the other two teams that are in the top four, it's another road favorite. It's the Boston Bruins, who lost to Pittsburgh 1-0 on Sunday they are minus 119 on the road. Pittsburgh, another home dog at plus 102. Other games, Philly at Jersey, Boss, Buffalo at the Rangers, and uh, Carolina Hurricanes minus 130 at the Dallas Stars. Stars have won six of seven and are now pushing Nashville for that final playoff spot. So big, big games for both Nashville and Dallas tonight and Florida and Carolina as well, although they're safely in the playoffs. Go to coolbet.com, check out all the lines. But before you do that, hit our Twitter at Sports Talk Winnipeg. Every day we post the daily lines with a bonus code and a link for you to sign up with WST. All right, there are lines for Coolbet Canada. Again, check out the lock shop after this program before the game start. If you want some more picks, we've got some baseball. We've got the golf picks for the weekend, a little bit of NFL draft talk, which we will have more coming up these next couple days. Reed Fowler and Andy Mack are going to join us the next couple days. And the return of Hacksaw, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton coming up on Friday, as well as a Kentucky Derby preview. In addition to all of the Jets coverage you've come to love here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, Remo, back to last night. Before we finish, we had, what, two clips of Paul Stastny. We heard the first one, um, but there was plenty more where the Veterans Center had for us last night for the media. Uh, And it's definitely worth a listen for Jets fans if they didn't catch it. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think because we were getting away with it. So when you're winning games, um, you, you forget the bad plays and you just remember what went in and the outcome of the game. And, you know, when that happens, I think, like I said, you kind of get away with it and, and you're playing every other day. You're, you know, throughout the season, it's kind of like these mini series, right? So every time you play a team, you play them two times or three times, you're kind of so focused on that. And then you turn a page and kind of forget, you know, who you played last time and now it's a new team. But, um, like it's, it's more of us players, you know, holding each other accountable because uh, it's everybody. It's not just 
you know, certain guys. I think everybody's got a little cheat in their game, and we got to be more honest. We have to be more honest with ourselves, um, especially this time of year. I think it's going to be harder. That's fine, you know, and, and <laughs> you never want to go through a stretch where nothing goes bad. If, you know, if it's too easy, then, then that's dangerous because all of a sudden you hit a speed bump and all of a sudden, you know, you're shell-shocked and before you know it's over. So, you know, maybe this is good, it's happening now, but like I said, it's it's not going to change right away. But if it's next game or the game after that, I think we got to get back to, to figuring out the fundamentals that um, we've created uh, as our identity on this team and get back to it and kind of stick with it. And then, you know, a lot of cliches here, but that, that's just how it is sometimes. It's it's not getting too worried about that end result and, and just focusing on whether it's period by period or, or just five-minute segments. And then, you know, being there to support each other and helping out each other on the ice. That was one of the more interesting um, post-game comments you'll hear from any NHLer. Um, it was necessary. It was honest. And I see Winnipeg Jets 280 in the chat dropping in. Stasny deserves a letter too. That sounded like leadership last night. And listen, I'm I'm not making a comment on the guys that were put out there that, that didn't speak today, but... You need your leaders to step up in very adverse times. This is the most adverse time the Jets have seen all season long. Got some injuries. They're not playing well. They looked lost at times last season. And to me, that was something that really needed to be said to the Winnipeg Jets. And I imagine they're having plenty of those conversations, um, you know, inside the locker room that we aren't a part of. Uh, And I guess we'll find out tomorrow night how much listening was being done and, uh, what they got out of that video uh, video session today. Because, Rima, I can't imagine, that must have been, when you want to talk about video sessions after losses, that would have been one that the guys were probably looking at through their hands as, the, <laughs> uh, as it went. Because, I mean, that would have been tough to look at. That's tough to look at for fans. Just imagine looking at it if you were part of what was happening on the ice. Not fun. Yeah, it'd be fun to hear, uh, be inside of that when they're going through. Look, they going through it, you know, pointing out uh, what they did wrong. I mean, if you play, you know, let's do some carry-ins next game. Uh, see if you can, you know, beat Mike Smith. Don't turn the puck over. I think go back to a couple simple things. I mean, as Stasny said, they've hung hell back out to dry, and he's bailed them out so many times. And, I mean, there's plays where uh, I think it was before the dry, the, which one, the McDavid, uh, I think second goal. Like, he had a breakaway right before that, got stopped on, comes back with the shot. Uh, on the ice. Hellebuck, Hellebuck got le- got absolutely hung yeah. out to dry. And, I mean, it, it sucks because I have heard some people. I don't know whether they weren't watching the game or whether they just said, oh, this, you know, Hellebuck can't make a save. I mean, did anyone expect any of those to be stopped? I mean, grade A, point blank, one-timers, breakaways, uh, you know, from the best players in the world. I and mean, those are going to happen. That was not at all on the goaltender last night. And, uh, I appreciated both Stastny and Coach Maurice mentioning that last night because they need he and his confidence. And I listen, we know Connor Hellebuck's confidence. It's not going to waver at all. But um, listen, if I'm Connor Hellebuck, I'm pissed off at not at the situation, at what happened in front of me last night. And maybe considering how good he's been for them over these last few years, that might be able to be a bit of a driving force to get a uh, a, a renewed commitment to doing the things, especially in their own end and in the neutral zone, that you know they need to do if they're going to want to be successful. Yeah, and we'll see. It looks like they're going to just give her with the same lineup. Huss. They went the same lines today at practice. Adam Lowry skated before in a yellow jersey, so he hasn't taken the non-contact jersey off. So 
can we be saying doubtful for tomorrow? And that's probably the case. So, you know, for all those in chat saying bring in Hainala, bring in Sandberg, do a little switcheroo, seems like they're just going to ride out and say, okay, guys, play better. And uh, see I'm that shocked at that, that. I thought for sure we'd see a significant change on the blue line last night, you know, bringing in a couple of the guys that weren't in, you know, Logan Stanley. Um, you know, I'd love to see Billy Hanel. I mean, it's not going to get any worse than it was last night. And, you know, even I know we've always just been talking about that one spot on the blue line. You know, considering what we've seen last night and over the last little while, would it be at the end of the world if Derek Forbord or Tucker Pullman got a night off? I don't think so. But again, we'll see. I. I'm not surprised in a way that the lanes weren't the lines weren't shifted up significantly today for practice because things just went so bad last night. I'm not sure whether you can um, you know, just say, okay, well, obviously none of that worked and go forward. And not to mention how many other options do they have right now, especially with Nikolai Ehlers out. Man, was he missed last night. We talked a lot about how important he is to the mm-hmm. Jets. We saw firsthand last night because it hit with Billick earlier on. His ability to control the puck, to gain the zone. We had none of that. Jets had none of that last night. And, uh, you know, missing Nikolai Ehlers, uh, you know, affects you offensively. But just in kind of being able to weather some of those storms from the Oilers and the ability to have the puck as opposed to be chasing it the whole time certainly took a hit without Nikolai Ehlers in the lineup. And um, listen, it's time for other guys to step up. And it's going to start, though, with the guys at the top of the lineup, 55, 26. Um, you know, they get paid the big bucks. They get the big ice time. Um, they need to they need to respond in a big way, and I think most Jet fans are certainly hoping that that will be the case tomorrow night, Reem. Oh, yeah. Uh, you'd like to see something. So we're all tuned in. We're going to be uh, here tomorrow at 1. We'll you know listen to the press conference, see if we can have anything from that. Like what more can they say? Will we hear from uh, some people with the letters on their jerseys? Um, I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Though I mean, it's been two days yeah. not hearing from either of those guys, and I think probably like we've seen. You know, listen, Shifley didn't speak after the game on Saturday, but then they brought him out before the game. And again, it's a good time to do it if guys are taking heat. You know, you kind of hey, we're here focusing on the game tonight, um, and then you know, obviously after the game they're probably getting other people to speak if things don't go well so um listen whatever listen we enjoy we this is all we've got to hear from the hockey club so we as media and fans often obsess about it it doesn't really mean a damn thing what anyone says into a microphone it's gonna matter what they do tomorrow night when they drop the puck against the Edmonton Oilers with one more chance to get in the win column to straighten out their play and get going in the right direction with eight games left in the regular season and uh Remo, I think that's probably a pretty yeah. good place to end it for today's show after uh, a lot of consternation amongst the Jets yeah. nation. I do want to end. We had some great Jets talk. Great having Scott on, Kevin as well. Uh, you know, remembering Kevin, remembering what Kevin would do on the uh, post game show. But I want to get into some a quick fun note uh, about independent baseball. Has the Pioneer League announced this rule change for this season? To avoid the excessive strain on pitching staffs, they will not have extra innings, but will employ a first-of-its-kind knockout rule that resolves tied games with a head-to-head, sudden-death, home-run duel. You heard me. Yeah. What Now... Now are the pitchers now are there actual pitchers pitching? Do they bring out the jugs gun? I mean, how uh, how exactly does this work? I don't know. Under this 
rule, under the rule, each team designates a hitter who will receive five pitches with the game determined by the most home runs. If still tied after the first knockout round, another hitter is selected for a sudden death home run face-off until a winner is declared. This is the Pioneer now, League. I, I just want to watch Pioneer League games. I, yeah. I'm just going to search the scoreboard and see if they're tie games and then jump in in the ninth inning, hoping that nobody scores so we can see the <laughs> the sudden death home run derby. Yeah, we've wanted to see a home run. You know, you know, people who didn't like the shootout would be like, well, what, would you do a decide a baseball game with a home run derby? Well, they're doing that now. In the apparently, Pioneer. yes. I mean, apparently, they're doing that. And that sounds awesome. I want to watch that. And, uh, you know, I kind of trash the extra inning rule in Major League Baseball where they start a guy on second. But I think it's awesome. It ends the, it ends the games quick. You know, the, I think these games are going I don't want long. it in the playoffs. I no. don't want it in the playoffs, much like I don't want the shootout in the playoffs. But in regular season, if they think that they need to end the games in a certain amount of time, like in hockey, they can't have the guys playing all night when they're playing so much hockey. I'm fine with it, and that is where it is. Hey, if you're still with this in the YouTube chat, before you go, hit that like button. And I'm shocked that there are a lot of people that are with us that aren't subscribers. Please hit that red button. Join us daily here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're having a lot of fun and growing every day, and it's great to have you guys join in the tribe. Uh, for Michael Remus and our incredible sponsors, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nicky DQ, Not Autocorp, Assiniboia Downs, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Golf and Country Club, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. I'm Andrew Patterson. Enjoy your night. We'll be back tomorrow getting ready for the Jets and Oilers and a little NFL draft talk as well with Reed Fowler from DraftKings all coming up tomorrow. Thanks again, folks. Spread the word. Tell your friends about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Get them to subscribe and join us as well. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 right here on WST. Dig deep, strap on your balls and go to work. Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. 